What is up, guys? So, if you were following us, in the bonus episode, we announced we were going to start a football discussion podcast. Well, that is now. And with me today, and hopefully in the future, is someone I have known for a very long time, the master of trades over here, Alex. Introduce yourself. Hey, fellas, it's me, it's Alex. I've known Angelo for, I don't know, like six, seven years right now. We have started playing in the same Dynasty League in in football. Uh, Gotta say, uh, a fair warning, I'm not English, I'm not American, I'm an European. So, sorry for any bad English here and there. But yeah, I'm glad to be here. I hope this this can take up new heights i guess uh, and i'm excited to join you seven years has it really been that long yeah i think so it was like the the cmc draft wasn't it so Holy it was like 2015 crap. 2016 cmc was drafted in 2015 i think so i think oh, so i think it was my. either 15 or 16 wasn't it i was in my 20s all right <laughs> that's depressing that's depressing that good is good way depressing. to start the podcast we're going to move on. When did you start watching football in particular? I started watching football like a year prior to that. So it was, I think my first Super Bowl was the Seahawks Patriots one. So I, I, I got to say I'm a, I'm a Seahawks fan, but Wait. I wasn't around when we won our Super Bowl. I started watching the year after. So of Wait course a I'm a bandwagon. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. You started watching only a year before you met me. I think so, yes. So that means you came in with a year of visuals of football to go on, and you just started making these massive amounts of trades. Yes, I had had exactly one year of redraft under my belt when I joined that league. What? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And I never looked back. I barely play redraft right now. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah. How do you know that? No, I didn't. So, you only had... Okay, so I have had... So this makes me feel really bad, I'm not going to lie. I have had a lot more extensive experience watching football. Like, my earliest memories of just visually watching football was the Super Bowl of the Buccaneers and the Raiders, and I believe Rich Gannon was the quarterback. Oh, yeah, that was early 2000s, wasn't it? Yes, it was the early 2000s, and I am a Bengals fan, and this may sound stupid, but the reason I became a Bengals fan is because of the slick-looking helmets on Madden, like, 05, and I was I was just hooked then. <laughs> I'm just, I was just hooked then. So then, yeah. so the, okay, so then that answers the next question, which was, what's your happiest moment as a Seahawks? them winning that Super Bowl and the saddest moment was that was that pick right is this- <laughs> the issue the issue is that I didn't watch the Super Bowl I mean I watched it back but I, I wasn't watching football when they won the Super Bowl so my happiest memory is I don't know man oh my happiest memory as a Seahawks fan was actually the Green Bay Packers championship game before that Super Bowl yeah, the one that we were down massively. I think I think we were down like two scores going into the fourth quarter. 
and then Russ makes that crazy two-point conversion where he backpedals like I don't know, like twenty yards back in the back in the in the field, and then just hits it right in the money, and we win that game and go oh to the Super my Bowl. God. That was my happiest memory because I didn't experience the Super Bowl live, so I can't oh. really say that that's my happiest memory. The ones that I experienced live, that was the one. Huh. A close so, second, but it, it was then tainted, was the, the Jermaine curse catch in the Super Bowl where we were down, like, we were down the score. It was before the, the last play of the game where we didn't run the ball and uh, rush through the pick. <laughs> yeah. The, a couple plays prior to that, he makes that crazy throw to Jermaine curse, who then catches that, that ball, like, juggle catches it. I, I don't know if you remember it. It was like one L of a I remember catch. the juggle. Yeah, yes. Yeah. That was a pretty good one, but yeah, of course, my worst, <laughs> my worst memory of that team was, of course, the Super Bowl loss. The pick. Yeah. So did the Super Bowl loss? So the Super Bowl loss for the Bengals didn't really stink for me. Like I don't even think that's the worst memory I have for the Bengals. But did that sting? Because I and I and it has to because you felt like you had that game won. Yeah. And then it got taken away from you. That yeah. that that has to be a worse feeling. When that last drive started and they and the Rams decided to go one, two, throw it to Cooper Cup, I'm like, oh god, no. Oh god, no. <laughs> I like I knew it. This is just gonna be Cooper Cup the whole way down the field. And and just like that boom, 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 boom. Like Yeah. I think my best memory as a Bengals fan is actually not even from that Super Bowl. It was the lead up to that Super Bowl. And coming back on Patrick Mahomes. Because I'm not going to lie to you. Like, as long as I have watched the Bengals, I did not think I would live to see the Bengals in a Super Bowl. Like, I just remember my head over my eyes. I couldn't even watch that field goal. And, like, when I heard the field, like, the announcers, the field goal is good, I just started, like, crying. I'm not going to lie. I I did not expect it. I did not expect to watch Cincinnati in a Super Bowl in my lifetime. That's how long and jaded it had been. And Uh, I think... Go ahead. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You you continue. And I think the best or the worst memory was, believe it or not, in, I think it was 2008 or 2009, when the Bengals were up at halftime. And just before halftime hit, the Steelers, Carson Palmer broke his ACL, I believe it was. Oh. That was the worst. I was so freaking mad at that. Because it looked cheap to me at the time. The the hit looked cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I remember what the one you're talking about, yeah. I was just going to say about the Super Bowl. Yeah, I was also rooting for you guys. You know, the, the old Jamar Chase thing. So I was rooting for you guys. And, like, that last drive really stung. I really thought you guys had a chance there to win it. The last drive didn't sing to me because I, like, saw it happen. Just like, believe it or not, the Kansas City loss last year, I also saw that happening because you weren't one of the people I was around, but the people I was around saying, if we don't score on this drive, they are winning this game. And we were up, and we did not score on that drive, and they ended up winning that game. Like, you cannot... You cannot underestimate Patrick Mahomes, and you cannot underestimate the Bengals' historic ways of blowing games. So you, you those are two things that just you do not want to mix, and they mixed. And I was like, "Yep, that, yep that's what happens." You really have no one to blame but to the, the mayor of Cincinnati, dude. You really lit a fire under their ass. 
Oh my god. I can't. Oh. Gotta love politics, man. So, <laughs> Jamar. So, one of the debates that we've had over the years was Jam- the Bengals picking Jamar Chase over Penay Suel. You were a big proponent of Jamar Chase, right? Yes, exactly. I was not. And I kind of want to get your opinion first because I like the reason why I thought Penay Suel at the time is. It's very obvious when I tell you, so I want you to tell me why Jamar Chase first. Yeah, I mean that all comes back to what we talked at the time. It was the like the wins above replacement stat. Uh, that was my my main indicator that Jamar Chase was the right pick there because like the wide rec- the elite wide receivers give you a much better win over uh, above replacement than an elite tackle. Uh, and I know the, the offensive line wasn't bad, but like. At this point of, of Joe Burrow's career, at that point of Joe Burrow's career, um, you really needed that elite weapon. And with AJ Green out of the way, I think like the LSU connection made all the sense in the world. And you really needed that elite weapon to develop further. So I always thought Jamar Chase was the, was the clear pick. Uh, like you can address the O line, uh, make some mix up O line, like like they actually did. Like they they went out, they got some talents in free agency, but like elite wide receivers to the level of Jamar Chase on rookie deals. I mean, I think that's just huge, and I didn't see how they could pass up on him. I agree with that, and I think Jamar Chase is one of the best wide receiver prospects we've seen like in a long time. Oh, I think so. I think so. I think it. Definitely since Amari Cooper, because like people see Amari Cooper now and they like eh, frown upon it, upon so, him. Uh, but like Amari Cooper was an elite prospect. So do you think? Okay, then. So do you think that the quarterback you're tethered to matters a little bit more than the pedigree you're coming into with? I think it's a mixture of both. You know, you need like that elite quarter. That elite quarterback will elevate you. Because, like, you can't do much if the targets aren't there, if the good targets aren't there. Uh, but, like, that quarterback also needs the elite wide receiver to to grow up and to to elevate his game. Right. You know, like, it it goes back like, to, like, I mean, you need I mean, you someone can who just, can make catches. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're good. You're good, man. You're good. No, I'm just saying, like, you can look at, for example, the Bills. Uh, we we all hype up the second wide receiver that they usually have. Uh, if it's a Gabe Davis, uh, Khalil Shakir, whatever. But it's like it's the Stefan Diggs that elevates him, and he he is not really elevating like uh, Gabe Davis, for example, that we we hype up for like three seasons now. Uh, Gabe Davis is never like that elite talent. So <laughs> no matter how good Josh Allen is in that situation, you will never elevate him further. So you can see, like, when I'm speaking here, it's it's towards that. I agree. I I do think it's a mix. A mix like you have to have elite pedigree because if you're not getting open and you can't make contested catches, then why are you on the field? But at the same time, you need someone who can put the ball in the places that you're best at catching it. Exactly. It, so, and I think that's what you're trying to, and I agree with that. The reason I was more for Panay Suel at the time is because of watching the Carson Palmer injury, watching Joe Burrow get hit an ungodly amount of times, like an 
ungodly amount of times that season, and I, I just wanted that to stop. I do think Jamar Chase, looking back on it, was the right pick at the right time, but could it, I don't think you could have gone wrong with either, honestly. Yeah, I think, like they I were think both another factor of, of Jamar Chase is like the elite wide receivers also let you get the ball out quicker because they can open, uh, they can get uncovered quickly. Uh, right. So it stops you from holding the ball so much. You can just make the quick reads, quick throws, and that stops you from getting hit as well. So you, we, we've talked about Joe Burrow. We talked about Josh Allen. Who do you think's better of the two? Because I have had a lot of heated discussion recently. Obviously, number one is Mahomes. If you don't think it's Mahomes, I don't know what you're thinking. But I think two and three is a big, is a good debate. Well, who do you think's better, Josh Allen or Joe Burrow? Which one would you rather have? Uh, I'm Team Joe Burrow. You're Team Joe Burrow. Yeah, I, th- I, I think he has the, the it factor. Yeah. I and agree with that. I, and I'm not saying that Josh Allen doesn't have it, but no, I think I think Burrow is on another level. I think Burrow is much closer to the Mahomes level than to the Josh Allen level. That's very fair. Yeah. So, let's go back in the past, in the very recent past. Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets recently. Before Aaron Rodgers signed with the Jets, you were very big on Zach Wilson. Where do you think that failed? And where do you and what positives do you think Zach Wilson had coming into the league that haven't either been used to the best of their ability or he hasn't developed? Okay, so I think the, the Zach Wilson experience went wrong when he didn't fix the small things that could hinder his career at the pro level. I mean, I know that he did a lot of crazy stuff on tape that's why i love them but it was like the small things like the um, the back foot uh, like he didn't set his feet enough like he would often throw off his back foot and you can get away with that in college because like the talent level especially at the college that he was in byu uh the talent level you're you're going against it's not the same as the nfl but like in the nfl if you don't have that that if you don't set your feet you can't make those those harder throws because your arm can only do so much and he didn't have the zip. And that's why you, see, you would see sometimes some balls sail and balls just going completely off the rails. So I think that's a big part on why he failed. Overall, just like he failed because I think he didn't have the supporting cast to start. Like year one, that's where you build um, your routines. That's where you, you pick up those bad habits. And that's exactly what, I, what he did year one. Uh, he picked up a lot of bad habits. He got scared. I think he got really scared because of the deal line always crumbling. So you could see that he, he, like even last year when the pocket was more or less clean, he would roll out. He wouldn't step into the pockets. Uh, and without those developments, you, you're bound to fail. So yeah, I really love them as a prospect, but I think like it was a mix of stuff. It was a mix of not correcting what came, what was wrong in college that he got away, that he got away with. Uh, and just picking up more bad habits. So it was at the point where basically everything was a bad habit and he couldn't do anything right to the point where you're benched by like Mike White and Mike White looks good in comparison to you. Oh, uh, don't remind like, me of that Mike White game. <laughs> which is, it's a statement to how bad you look when you, when people really think Mike White is the, is the solution. And yeah, I follow Mike right after followed. that game. Yeah, I follow I follow Jets a lot because of the, the Zach Wilson, especially like Jets Reddit. 
<laughs> and they were kind of going nuts for Mike White thinking he was some sort of savior, which I could never understand. But yeah, so, I think I think that's the main points where where you went wrong. So to me, I think I think quarterback is the most important position on the football field. There's no doubt about that in my mind. It can have one of the greatest effects on a game. But there's a duality to it. You need to have the pieces around the quarterback so the quarterback can develop and become the next Joe Burrow, the next Patrick Mahomes, the next Josh Allen. Because those guys all had pieces at some yeah. point. Exactly. And I don't think they gave Zach – like, Garrett Wilson was great. Garrett Wilson was a rookie. And Zach it came a year, a year too late. Yeah. The offensive line – so here's another question then. Since the, the offensive line is shaky, we agree. It's run-of-the-mill at best. It's about league average. Yeah. Do you think Aaron Rodgers is going to ha- come in and have struggles with that considering he's so used to the consistent play of the Green Bay offensive line? I mean, like last year, I don't think the Green Bay's offensive, life, uh, offensive line was anything to, to write home about. I think it was run of the mill as well. Uh, he just has like those timing throws that he can develop. He can make quick reads that Wilson struggled with. Uh, I think he'll get the ball out in time, like we like we spoke about with Burrow before and Chase. A uh, great wide receiver will help you do that, uh, especially if you're not like afraid, for like Zach was because of like his knee and being constantly hit the year prior. So I think I think it will work decently well because I don't think Aaron Rodgers is what we saw before. I don't think is that at, at that. MVP level, um, but I think it will work out fine. They will do better than they did last year. They probably go to the playoffs, but I don't think they have any sort of championship aspirations. I, at least I don't have for them. You don't have champion. See, mm, I think the Jets are a hot take machine. I don't know if you watch any of the major like news outlets but like nick wright of fox force one he's calling them an eight to nine win team i don't wow. know yeah wow like okay. i I, th- I think there is like every level of expectation on the jets whether they're a championship team or they're just going to be average or bad like so i don't There's know no how to evaluate them i don't i honestly don't know how to evaluate the jets right now yeah i i think they make the playoffs at least it's a tough division as well because you have the, the Dolphins, the Bills, the Patriots. Do you think the there'll Patriots. be some natural regression for the defense? I mean, you can't play at the level that they did last year constantly. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. it would be the greatest defensive unit ever. Um, <laughs> but, of course, some regression is due. But, like, the offense was bottom of the of the barrel. Like, there's some positive regression there as well. So, I think it balances out. Uh, I think they make the playoffs at least. I don't expect them to go further than that, like championship games, like Super Bowls, nothing of sorts. But I think they make the playoffs, probably as a wild card. I mean, yeah, it's so tough to to think about because Aaron Rodgers is at the tail end of his career. Let's be real about that. Yes. And to make it to a championship game or the Super Bowl – he would have to go through at least one, probably two, of Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, and Josh Allen. I don't know if that's happening. Yeah, I don't think so as well. So, I mean, it's really hard to judge. So, 
We're going to move on to running backs. The running back position has been a hot debate, and I'm surprised actually Ren isn't here for this, because Ren had some very, very hot takes on Jonathan Taylor and the way that whole situation has been handled. So what do you think about the current position of the running back? Are they going to get paid? And let's also talk about like the fantasy aspect of it, too. How do you gauge the minefield that seems to be the running back position currently in the National Football League. Yeah, I don't expect it to change anytime soon. I don't think they will get paid like the the amount of money that they want. Like JT reportedly wants like 16 to 17 million a year. I think that's nuts. They'll never get that. Nuts. <laughs> yeah, especially with the coaches like uh, the the former How Colts is that coach. Nuts? The former Colts coach, um Dudgy, I think it was his name. Tony Dungy. Yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, like he tweeted something of sorts like uh, when they let that running back walk, that's way beyond my time. Uh, I'm not sure who the running back Aaron was. James? Yeah, that's the one, exactly. When they let him walk and he went to, to Arizona, that Arizona did well in paying him, but like they got close to 2,000 scrimmage yards out of two guys. And with the money that they saved on the running back, they got to sign back Dwight Freeney, for example, all of the pieces in the defense that made that defense good. Um, so when don't, when you don't even have the support, the support of the coaches, apparently, I guess, uh, it becomes really hard for you to get the money that you want. Uh, I think they will start to be more realistic because I don't see them holding out. I, <laughs> I would like it. I would like if they if they held out just for the pure chaos. But I don't think they would because like you have a ton of running backs that would happily take their place and they are not making that much money. So here's the problem with the running backs. When is the worst time to be the most at the peak of your powers? It's on your rookie deal. Yeah. Exactly. When are the running backs at they're most valuable. It's on their rookie deal. The peak of a running back is around age 25, 26. After that, there is a lot of regression that can happen. And that's and it's happened to a lot of running backs over the years. So I think there needs to be something in place that allows the running backs to get paid more up front, and then they can get paid less as they're regressing. I think that's kind of the compromise that needs to happen. I, I don't know heard... how that happens. I have no <laughs> yeah. idea how that happens. Because you I... would have to... Go ahead. Yeah, I have heard an argument uh, going on that on that way that it was like um, to change the rookie contracts so running backs would be able to join the NFL sooner. But I don't think that solves anything because the other positions will want the same. Everyone wants the better, mo- the better NFL money and to get out yep. of the rookie contracts quickly. So yep. I don't think that really solves it. Uh, my idea, but like I'm off of the, the US reality on how the, the high school sports and so on begins. But my mm-hmm. idea was that like the elite talent uh, that is now going into high school and our highly rated uh, high school prospects, maybe if they abandon the running back position, so dedicate yourself to another position, uh maybe that would change the market because it would it wouldn't be oversaturated with running backs you would only have so many running backs that a team could actually use 
and maybe that drives up the price but that's like a i don't know like a 10-year process that, right now that's a 40 chess move right there that you're proposing <laughs> but uh, the the main drawback that i that i that i got responded with was that it would heavily change like nutritions and so on of the players because the players would have to focus themselves uh on like different styles of eating different styles like gaining weight and losing weight uh it you would be right. too much for like high school kids to lose like 20 pounds or get like 30 pounds it wouldn't be healthy for them uh and that's why i said like i'm i'm away from that reality i am i have no clue how that actually works like but even if me. you're away from that reality like you can look at the players and you can be like okay running backs nowadays now have to be as fast as wide receivers pretty much and almost as strong as tight ends like why is that position not a well-paid position when you have those two criterias you have to be the fastest and you have to be one of the strongest what what Maybe maybe some sort of incentive for touches on rookie contracts. Like if you if you reach certain amount of touches, uh, you either get out of the rookie deal quicker, get more money on the rookie deal, something of sorts. Because what really hurts the running backs to me isn't the age, it's the touches. And I see, I think we've seen pretty, I've seen plenty of tweets uh, speaking to it. Uh, that it was basically like when a running back reaches a certain amount of touches, that's when they fall off. Not really the age, but the age is sometimes associated with the touches because like the running backs all come at roughly the same age and the the good ones roughly get all the same sort of touches. So there's a a relation there. But maybe something... Yeah, yeah, correlation there, my bad. Uh, But maybe something on the rookie deals that uh, that gives them like a small boost in terms of pay could probably mitigate that i have really no clue here it, and that's the problem there isn't really a solution that you then wouldn't have to change the complete structure of the way rookie contracts are handled yeah. and the owners are simply not going to they're not going to sign on for that they're yeah. not going to be yeah, like that's yeah, the yeah, issue we're going to pay them more money yeah, exactly. sure. So, okay, moving on to the fantasy season. How and dynasty, we can talk about both. How does that correlate to how you view running backs now when you're in rookie drafts or when you're in redraft lobbies? Yeah. So, that goes uh that goes to the point of my trade earlier that you were kind of starstruck with uh that I, I basically moved off Christian McCaffrey and got CM and got like Joe Mixon, Joe Mixon. and uh, first and a second, which was basically that. I also gave up Kadarius Tony, but like it's always injured. Uh, but like I think that's what's gonna happen, especially in Dynasty. We're gonna treat it much more like redraft, so it's year to year basis basically. Uh, we we won't worry about the future too much because like all of these guys they lose a ton of value. And I've said I've told you this like plenty of times before. When you invest so much in a running back, and I'm speaking purely dynasty here, but when you right. invest so much in a running back uh, and their lifetime value or they uh, keep trade cut value is so high, uh, you're risking too much because like an injury on a 22 or a 23-year-old running back who's at like running back one, running back two, it immediately cuts off a huge amount of their value. A season-ending injury, because then he comes back and he's, he's like 24 and he needs to take half a season to come back to full health. 
uh, and you're never getting the the money the the value that you pay to get him. For example, like B. John Robinson, I think that's a mistake you're holding him. I I've said to to Corey, a friend that we know from from another league, that I would yep. sell B. John Robinson everywhere that I have him because I don't think it's worth the risk. I think you need to you need to start treating running backs in dynasty like you treat like you treat them in redraft. So not don't be afraid of the 26, 27, 28 year olds because those are also going for so cheap right now. You can get them like seconds and so on in, in rookie fever mode. Uh, just go with those guys and treat them in and treat them like uh, cannon food, basically. Cannon fodder. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so. I mean that's that I don't know that's a hard sell for me simply because there is nothing that you can do when you have two running backs going off like and I know you've been on the other end of that you've been on the other end of two running backs going off it's right there and there's just nothing you can do about it you just have to watch and accept that you're probably losing this week so I get the like strategic aspect of it but at the same time there's also like mentally wearing down someone that's why i said we had this discussion earlier the team of aaron Rodgers, christian mccaffrey justin jefferson derrick henry and jamar chase looks scarier and feels worse to go against than the team you're sporting now that has something like anthony richardson it has kenneth walker it has justin jefferson chris Olave, christian watson like i don't know yeah there's like there's like a mental thing that i like to play with as well yeah, but the metal thing, that team never won anything. That's my, my issue. And maybe that's because of my conservative approach. Because, like, uh, uh, for example, an off-season or so ago, I moved off for Derrick Henry uh, for, like, a first and or a second and, like, T. Higgins or something. Because, to me, you never hold the running... Uh, at that point, it was, like, two years ago, you never held the running back so much. And you sold them at peak value. Um but if I wasn't so conservative and I went for it, maybe I would have won a championship or two by now. Uh, and that's right. sort of what I'm trying to change here. Maybe just don't be afraid of taking the risk on those older running backs and treat them as cannon fodder, as we as we said before. Uh, don't be afraid to buying uh, of buying them for cheap uh, and just use them until their their legs fall off because the investment isn't so big at that point. Uh, as it is right now, uh, a Bijan Robinson, for example, that will cost you like three, four, five firsts. Uh, you will mortgage your future, and then an injury comes by, and he loses like a quarter or a, a fifth or his, of his value. Do you think I could get like four or five first round picks for Bijan Robinson right now in any league I'm in? I think you can get three and a player. I mean, right now I, I ran like a. A small because uh, I knew this would come up, so I ran a few trades here <laughs> <laughs> for keep trade just to I, to give you some some insight. So, would you, you prefer really like Dijon Robinson or Drake London and Najee Harris? Probably Bijan. Bijan over Drake London and Najee Harris. Yes. Okay. Okay. And would you prefer because you don't like Najee or you don't like uh, Drake London? Najee. Nice. I don't like Najee. Okay. I don't like so this. I don't want this to branch out into another ty, different tirade. But generally speaking, in redraft, and especially if you're going to take the idea that 
in dynasty you should take running backs as like a redraft kind of yes. like idea you want to get the running backs on the best offenses because the running backs on the best offenses tend to perform the best okay and i don't know about the steelers offense okay and so... i really don't know about the falcons offense but i do like drake london yeah i, I think Bijan is being really overrated right now i uh, agree he's, he's being like taken as a top 10 uh redraft pick and i have I don't. I don't, I don't think know where that's coming from. As the running back one. No way. Yeah, there's no way. I will be and shocked. If, and if you're taking him in the top ten of a redraft, like you're basically telling me that he's like yes, chances of being the running back one, and I don't think that's possible because he won't have the the receiving volume. That Falcons offense is better. Better be like something I'm not expecting. That that's what has to happen. And I think it will be a strong offense, but I think it will be like a very run-heavy offense. And as we know, the the receiving touches are worth almost double of a of a running touch, a, a rush. Yes, uh, that's where so, you get your value I, a lot of the times. Yeah, and I think you will get you'll have a ton of rushes, but I, I don't think he gets like forty. Does he get like forty targets? Probably not. I think, uh, I don't know. I don't yeah. like Desmond Ritter, honestly. Like, oh, I don't, I don't think Desmond Ritter is anything. Right, like, and that's kind of the thing. We, I, I went back to the quarterback is the most impactful. When you don't have a good one, it's kind of hard to, like, expect the offense to perform. Yeah. Let me just run a couple more trades by you that I okay. found here, and I thought it was really interesting. Go Would you it. prefer Bijan Robinson or? Drake London and Jordan Addison. Ooh. I'm going to stick with Bijan. And Bijan Robinson or Drake London and Kenneth Walker. Wow. Drake London and Kenneth Walker there. Yeah. See, and that's that's fair according to uh, Keep Trade Cut. And that's a community oh. community-driven... Yeah, yeah. For those who don't know, it's a, it's a crowdsourced platform that basically, uh, whenever you you go in there, they ask you uh, to rate like three players. Oh, wait a minute. Keep. Yeah. So wait a minute. 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 You're telling yes. me actual people, actual people, voted and said Kenneth Walker and Drake London equals B. John Robinson. Roughly so, like they don't vote on the trades, but they vote on the players' value. Value. So yeah, they essentially said so. That makes a difference. But regardless, it's it's tough. Like running backs is tough. I like I am so conflicted on Brees Hall, who was my pick last year. I don't know what to think about the Jets' current situation, and I don't know what to think about Brees Hall. I would sell him. He's right now running back two in keep trade cut. Can I get running back to value? And even then, do I want to get Because ru- <laughs> now yeah. he's tethered to Aaron Rodgers. So. But he's like tethered to Aaron Rodgers for like two years, maybe. I mean, but after those two years, he'll be 24, 25, and at the peak of his powers, and that's when you probably want to move it. <laughs> Yeah, because it's funny because like he's at a because uh, the peak of his powers at like twenty four, twenty five, and at twenty six he's worthless. That's that, that that right there. That statement right there. At the peak of his powers, and then he's worthless the next year. That 
is fantasy football and that is dynasty football. That is exactly. the exact summary. Exactly. You have to get in at the right year. Exactly. And you have to get out a year prior. You have to be Bill Belichick with running backs if you want to play this. This you like you definitely do that. Yeah. So we've talked about all that. Is there anything else you want to discuss? I think moving forward next week we're going to have the AFC predictions for this upcoming season, followed by the NFC predictions the following week. Is there any greater discussion on the NFL? fantasy or dynasty that you want to get into before we head out i don't think so like the oddest issue at the moment is like the the jt hold up but we can we can leave that for next week unless you want to speak about it right now we address running backs a little bit uh like maybe give our thoughts about how that will pan out what do you think of the jt situation because Ren thinks JT. Ren is a Colts fan, and he thinks okay. JT is in the complete wrong on this one. Uh, I think he's surrounded by crybabies. Honestly, like he's if, you're by owner, <laughs> if you're the owner of a billion dollar, plenty of billion of dollars team, how do you uh, go on Twitter and make those statements? Like, uh, that's my speaking... point. <laughs> you said the quiet part out loud. You do not. Say the quiet part out loud that the NFL is going to move on and still run regardless of whether you're there or not. That sends a terrible message to the other 52 players on the Colts team. Like, why would you want to go there? Exactly. That was my point. And, like, especially, like, you have, like, that old situation pans out on Twitter. And then then you have, like, JT saying that uh, he wants a trade and immediately after that, the news that comes out is that maybe they will put uh, they will put him on the the NFI list, the non football injury list, uh, and that and then you see the reports do not like say oh maybe he, he won't play this season or something. It's exactly like, and if he goes on the NFI, the team won't have to pay him anything, and his contract will uh, will tow to next year. So you know exactly who who gave him those messages. It was Ursay. Who planted that on the media and i mean i think it's pretty clear it was like a threat because if if it was indeed like a situation where we, where they would put him on the nfi they would just put him on the nfi and he, they wouldn't announce it to the world basically so i exactly. think i think that also gives like a, a very bad message to like free agents and so on that will probably try to join your team now they probably won't have as much of a, an inclination to do so uh, but I think the like the agent on JT's side is also on the wrong. I mean, JT is not has not said much except for like that tweet where he said that uh, he wasn't in, in injured and that the guy needed to check his sources. But like right. the agent is also like going public uh, publicly with this. So I think both the agent and Ursa are behaving like childs. They're having a dick measure, yeah. They're having a dick measure, Yeah, basically, basically. I think so. So I don't think any of them are in the are in the right. But like threatening to to not pay your your employer your employer in this case is it employer or employee? <laughs> employee. Employee. He's not paying his employee, which is Jonathan employee. Taylor. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not paying to his employee, like and threatening. He's not doing it. He's just threatening to do so. Like if you don't just play, we'll do this. I think it's like. As the agent said, operating in bad faith. 
it is operating in bad faith. Yeah. It is absolutely what do you think of this? Of what? Jonathan Taylor? Yeah, the whole situation. How do you think it will pan out? Oh, <laughs> I have no idea. They keep saying... So, Jonathan Taylor apparently has officially requested a trade request. Here's the greater issue. And here's why you don't say the quiet part out loud. If... He wouldn't have said things like the NFL and the Colts will move on beyond Jonathan Taylor and when Jim Irsay is dead as well. Then you can say, okay, we're looking for deals and you can go out and you can go see who's willing to pay you and then we can see if we can come to a deal. And he can come to the conclusion because no running backs are getting paid right now. So I guarantee you if he went out on his own and tried to get a suitor it wouldn't be as easy as everyone thinks it's going to be. So he can go out and he can find that. But to then make yourself the, you know, take the mask off and make yourself the bad guy, now this just makes this whole situation worse. So now they're dealing with this situation and the fact that the Colts and a lot of NFL teams are not willing to pay their running backs. So I think there's a real possibility that JT does not even hit the field this year. Because, uh, let's be honest, Saquon Barkley was in a very similar situation, and he ended up taking, like, $11 million just to get on the field. So there's no way Jonathan Taylor was getting... I don't think there's a way he was getting $16 million. I don't think it's ridiculous, because I do think he's one of, if not the best running back in the NFL, and he deserves to be paid like the best running back in the NFL. But Joe Mixon took a, took a pay cut to stay. Saquon Barkley took a pay cut to stay. That's what was going to happen. They were in the driver's seat, and then they just messed it up. So I think there's a real possibility that this this dick measuring contest lasts until the regular season, and there's a possibility we don't see Jonathan Taylor until middle of the season, end of the season. There's there's really a possibility for that, and to me, considering you're actually about to start off your redraft, that would be scary for me as a fantasy person. And honestly, that's that's just crappy if you're Jonathan Taylor. I feel bad for Jonathan Taylor. I really do. Like, I know you're saying, oh, no, the poor rich guy. But, like, his team, the team that drafted him, the team that ran him into the ground, and the team that was going to run him into the ground this year again said, nah, we're not going to do it. Like, that's crappy. Yeah. The issue with Jonathan Taylor is also that, like, he was heavily used in high school and in college, so his touches, like what we what we talked about before, the the amount of touches uh, at which a running back drops off, is uh, really close to that line right now. Uh, considering all of his touches so far, of course, like high school touches don't compare to NFL touches, no. but like he has a crazy amount of touches right now. I saw a tweet the other day about it, um, or an X, should I say now? Um, and I'm yeah, he was really close to that edge. But yeah, I think I think he won't play this year. But I think you uh, will be like either a free agent or like franchise tag next next year, because I think you will pull something closer like a Ramsey, for example, that he said he was injured and like embellished it, uh, said it he was more hurt than he actually was. 
So I think he passes the, the this part of the NFI and then in season maybe picks something up uh, while training or something and then embellishes it uh, to the point where they consider it IR, for example. Because at that point, um, you can't just hold the contract to next year because it will count as a contract year, even if he's on IR. Um, and then he will be either a free agent or the Colts have to franchise tag him next year. But I don't think he plays... He's- Can you guy after going through all this? What? what? <laughs> would you would you have the balls to franchise tag a running back who basically sat out the whole year and then you went through this whole process with him? Oh my god. It's Cersei, <laughs> of course. <laughs> <laughs> like any other owner, maybe like Dan Snyder, for example. No, he's not a not a, not an owner anymore. But, like, any owner probably wouldn't do it. But, like, it's Jim Mercedes, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. Very petty as heck. That is next level petty. Yeah. <sighs> All right. We are going to head out. Thank you for listening if you got to this point. We will be with you next week. This show should come up on Thursday is when you will be listening to it or later. Um, I believe next week we said we wanted to aim for Tuesday to release. Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Okay. If you're good with Monday recording, I'm good with Monday. Yeah, so Monday's fine we, by, by me next week. We will see you all next Tuesday. Tuesday. Have a great one. Have a great one, guys. Thank you.